Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, welcome to our online service. Uh, we're so glad to see you guys. Welcome online, Facebook and Instagram. Yes, we are um, so excited to have y'all today. Um, this is our um, online church for now, Saturday nights at 8.30. And so we are glad um, and excited to be able to hang out with y'all this evening. We're continuing the message, um, the series on forgiveness this month. And I feel like it's been really um, on point and like legit. And oh, so stop. stop. <laughs> so today is part two of that. Um, and so Pastor Homer right here is going to just... <laughs> Preach the house down, so oh, get man. ready. <laughs> building me up there. It's going to be great. Um, and so uh, before we really jump into that, Homer, we have a couple of announcements that I'd love to share, yeah, if that's okay. Awesome. And so, um, you know, a couple of simple announcements is we're going to, like I said, continue our online church Saturdays at 830 p.m. So that's after we get the girls down. Um, once you're settled for the evening, and you just want to chill. Why don't you tune in, invite a friend, join us until uh, this quarantine time is over. So whenever that time does come, of course, we'll meet back in person and more than likely go back to Sundays and like things were, but we'll keep you updated. Um, besides that, we um, have started a Revive Moms group. Yeah, it's super exciting. Uh, yeah, Homer loves it. Um, <laughs> it's a joke because you're not a mom. Well, that wasn't funny. Okay. And so <laughs> Revive Moms Group um, with Grave Top Church. And so we wanted to start in person and have brunch um, one morning out of the week and get together as moms, those of you who are in that season of motherhood, and really just have time to encourage and edify each other. Um, and But unfortunately, because of quarantine and all the stuff that's going on these days, we're not able to. But we started two weeks ago. Um, a meeting together on Zoom, and I feel like it's been pretty legit um, and really enjoyable, um, even though we can't meet in person. So we are going to continue to do that, and that's Thursday nights, every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. as well. And so if there's any moms out there or moms that you know or your mom that would like to be a part, uh, let us know. DM us. We'll give you <laughs> the link. That's what you said. Yeah. Or your mom. Yeah, your mom. <laughs> um, yeah, anyways. And so whoever it might be, I was going to say your mama joke, but yeah, it, yeah, it was inappropriate. inappropate. Yeah, and so, um, <laughs> but any mom out there, y'all can uh, be a part. Just let us know. We'll give you the information to tune in Thursdays at 8.30. Um you know, and if I could say something Please. about it too, um, I think uh, I think this has really just been an incredible time through everything going on. That even just this moms group, it was going to be um, a handful of moms that were able to go. Yeah. And the first meeting that they had, they had on, on what two, three times as more many people um, get on the Zoom call that wouldn't have even been able to get on before. Mm -hmm. Some of you guys, there was a person that's stationed in South Korea right now mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been able to get on and we would have never, I mean, I don't want to say never, but we wouldn't have made it available online like that yeah. um, if it wasn't for everything going on. So to me, it's just, uh, it, it just shows like God causing something beautiful to happen even in the midst of chaos yeah. or in the midst of crisis. So I just thought it was, to me, I was so excited. I thought it was incredible yeah. how that turned out. So. And you're right. I, th I thought it was really cool that because of um, having to do it through Zoom, I we realized shortly after how that just opened the door for people that we knew, you know, across the world. <laughs> 
Um, it's a joke. But people <laughs> that we knew that may have moved or different things like that, that were able to be a part. Um, yeah. So it was really cool to be able to see them and and um, do that. And so um, also we wanted to share, this is a personal <laughs> thing for Homer and I that we thought we would share with y'all. Y'all are more than welcome to be a part but we decided um, to start this coming Monday, we're kind of nervous, um, a 21-day eating clean challenge, pretty much, for a lack of better words. Yeah, but more or less. 21-day challenge to just simply eat clean and get lean. <laughs> um, That's and, what matters. <laughs> yeah. And so the reason why, as I was telling Homer the other day, we've been really hitting that like at-home workout. It's been yeah. feeling good eating clean and then every once in a while man we you know like splurge and we get those little like cravings and and i'm like right ice cream grilled peanut butter and jellies you should check that out you'd put some butter grill it all that that good stuff waffles with ice cream and sprinkles Mm. like it just get we get syrup we get carried away and we're trying to see results and we are yeah yeah Right. But we realize that if we also eat clean consistently, that we'll see even greater results and feel good, you know? And so, um, this is all just like a physical aspect of our personal life, but we, um, decided long story short that we want to start a challenge Monday. And I told Homer, I really can't do it unless I have a community or a friend or people with me. Cause if it's just me, I break it. But if I know like (laughs) you and other people are doing it with me, then I'm accountable to them. And it really helps me reach that goal because I've done it before and yeah. I did it. And so point with that being said, feel free. If that's something you want to do, just let us know and we can do it together. We're starting a Facebook page and yeah. group and it's going to be it's legit. We, if we can be completely transparent, knowing that Monday's approaching, we just had Papa John's oh, pizza. Why <laughs> because we're being transparent tonight because after that starts on Monday, no more of that. Right? One of them was Hawaiian pizza. So yeah, so it was like pineapple. Yeah, yeah. It was a fruit. Yeah. So anywho, um, without uh, further ado, uh, um, before Homer gets into the message today, I wanted to share something that was on my heart um, on the aspect of the of giving. And so, you know, I know a lot of you watching um, have really had it on your heart to support Grave Top Church. And we want you to know that we truly appreciate you because honestly, you really make possible what we do, whether we're in a church building or even at home resources are definitely needed. And when you give, know that you're really helping us as a church, as a community to reach more and more people. And as I was thinking about the concept of giving, you know, I always think of that story with the widow. I don't know if you've had the chance to hear about it yet, but there's a widow. Uh, Jesus was sitting in a temple and he was watching people um, come and give their offering. And he saw many rich rich people give. And of course, that was a great thing to do, but they were giving out of their surplus, out of all the extra that they had. And then he saw a widow who had just two coins left, and it was all that she had left. And in this, in this story, he saw her, and she gave everything that she had left to the temple to God, to, um, you know, the, the vision of what this church and these people were doing. And he looked at her and said, she has given more than everyone out of their surplus. Mm -hmm. And I always think that's such a powerful message for a couple of reasons is she didn't find an excuse to not give, even though she could have, you could look at her and say, she has every reason and right not to. And, but she didn't look for an excuse, even though she could have, she had the heart to give she saw the vision of where her, um, um, her giving was going to. And she even saw that, that even the two coins that she gave, that she saw that that would actually still advance the kingdom of God. 
And with all that, she still believed, even though she was giving everything over, that she could trust God and that God saw her heart. And I thought it was powerful because literally in that story, Jesus was watching her and saw her heart. And she knew that he would take care of her, even in those times where she sacrificed everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, me sharing that story is not to tell you to sacrifice everything. I don't know where you stand, but all I want you to know is that if you ever have it on your heart to give, and if you have it on your heart even to give and support Grave Top Church as a ministry, know that God sees, God will take care of you, and that he is pleased with your giving. And so, um, you know, I just think that's such a powerful story of someone who truly trusts God and truly wants to advance the kingdom with all that she had. And so it's a beautiful story. And again, if there's easy ways to do that here at Grave Top, if you just go to our website, gravetop.com, it really has all the different um, avenues. It's very simple. You can text to give, Venmo, Cash App, um, other ones. I don't know. There's other <laughs> ones there. So just go check it out. Um, yeah. And so Homer Hargrove, here's the mic. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that uh, that was a really moving message too about giving Lauren. Um, and it just, uh, it makes me think about um, he, even this morning we had our financial peace class mm. um, and uh, it, I shared with them about how in time of, the, I feel like in this part of our life, it's been the, the most financially strapped for for us mm-hmm. that we've ever been in our marriage. And and yet, I feel like the sacrifices we made at the beginning of our marriage, yeah. like giving away our bed, stupid. Yeah, um, but things like that, I feel like really like set up a miraculous like work in our lives yeah. to where at the the poorest part of our lives we've moved into the biggest house we've ever moved into yeah. had the most cars that we've ever had have, have the most kids living with us than we've True. ever had before you know yeah. and it's just uh, I could go on and on but yeah. it's it doesn't make any sense how in the lowest part of our lives we have received the most yeah and I really believe it's because of those moments like this widow that we mm-hmm. felt God calling and leading us mm-hmm. and that we stepped out. Right. Um, and so it's super on point. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, with all that being said, we're going to continue our series today on forgiveness. This, this whole month we've been talking about this series titled, They Don't Know What They're Doing. And it's, that's what Jesus says as he was being crucified on the cross and one of the word that that sentence that he yells out to God to forgive, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that sentence alone speaks volumes about all the times that we are offended in in life, whether it's from people close to us, people far from us. Truly, we don't know the depth of what we're doing, the depth of how our actions are affecting others. And I think that when we look back as we're older and we look back at the decisions we made when we were younger, we're like, dang, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And we this whole month, we're just wanting to unpack forgiveness and really in a simple way. We don't want to overcomplicate forgiveness. I think that's asinine. Forgiveness is so incredibly simple. And um, I remember... I've heard all kinds of teachings and preachings on forgiveness and people, even myself included, have gone through these moments of wondering, 
did I really forgive them? Or is God going to smite me to hell because I didn't forgive the, right. the person like I was supposed to, even though you, you try to forgive them? And then I remember one day I was in some club, uh, high school club for <laughs> Christians, not like, you know, like clubs. Yeah, um, but I was, I was working with these students and one of the volunteers, uh, one student shared and said about how they finally found for like forgiveness for somebody. Mm-hmm. And then one of the adult volunteers that obviously knew more than the kid said, well, how do you know that you really forgave them? And the, mm-hmm. the student was like, well, I mean, I thought I did. And he said, well, did you, did you pray for them? And he's like, well, no. He said, well, then that means you haven't really forgiven them. And he, the student felt like, so like disturbed. <laughs> and I feel like, that like kind of interaction, that exchange makes us, uh, we often go through that, whether it's from someone else, uh, an outside force or an inside force, thinking, well, well, did I really forgive them? And the truth is, this is as simple as forgiveness gets. If you do not want that person to be punished for what they did to you, then you've forgiven them. That's what it, forgiveness and a debt if you do not have to pay back the debt, you've been forgiven of it. Mm-hmm. If if you get in trouble, you have to pay for a crime, but you're forgiven that crime. You don't have to take probation. You don't have to take jail time. You've been forgiven of that crime. It's the same way with forgiveness in our hearts. Um, and so with all that being said, though, I want to ask you guys this question. Is there a way to have peace with forgiveness while still not becoming a doormat? because this lifestyle of forgiveness is not necessarily attractive. It's, it's kind of like, it sounds good on paper, but really like living this lifestyle of forgiveness, I feel like I'm going to be a doormat, a punching bag. Like people are going to treat me like crap. I have to be really weak to be a person that forgives all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's simply not the case. And I hope that today we really unpack what forgiveness entails and, the truth is that forgiveness takes incredible strength. You have to give forgiveness. And it takes a strong heart to give that forgiveness. Have you ever noticed that when you forgive somebody, you literally feel it? That you feel it leaving your heart. It's almost like you feel the injustice leaving your soul. Mm-hmm. And you have to actually give it away. And I want to read, uh, to, to further expound on this um, idea of giving forgiveness, I want to read uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And I, I think this is one of my favorite verses, mostly because I feel like I found like a secret of what it really means. Mm-hmm. I feel like this verse has been most quoted for like an offering call or, you know, uh, like if you have $100 right now, come to the altar right now, mm-hmm. that's you. Uh, and I feel like there's a completely real deeper meaning than what we have secularized it as. Let me read it to you. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. 
Mm. Now you can see why that's using the offering a lot, right? <laughs> if you give just any little bit, you're going to receive back to where you have a, a, a money bag like in bank robberies full of cash and you have to shake it and press it down <laughs> and you're going to get more and more and you just keep shaking it and pressing down and eventually it's going to run over to where money's falling on the floor from your robbery bank bag. <laughs> <laughs> Right? That's hardcore. That's yeah. what I always I picture. I never thought of it like that. <laughs> That's what I always picture at the, <laughs> those offering calls. And it seems like just you're going to have so much to where it's going to be overflowing. It makes me think of whenever I'm raking leaves. And I mean, trash bags for me, I think they're too expensive. All right. It's trash. Mm-hmm. But when you're putting in dead leaves into a trash bag to throw away, it's like I'm paying to throw this away. Mm. And when you're pushing all the leaves into the bag if you've raked before what do you do you push it and press it all the way down to make room for more leaves Mm. to throw away you even shake the bag a little bit like let me see how much more can get in there and if you're like me you overpack the bag to where it's literally overflowing to when you zip up or pull up the bag leaves fall out Mm. that's the illustration of what this verse is saying about when you give you have so much pressed down shaken together and running over but look, let's let's read yes. scripture in context. Mm. You know, we won't get into the Greek meaning. We won't get into, you know, the cultural background. We'll just read the verse before. Does that sound fair? Yeah, definitely. All right. The verse before says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Mm. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others mm. and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you full, press down, shaking together, and running over to make room for more, pull it into your lap, and the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Interesting. So if we look at it in context, it sounds a lot like Jesus is talking about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look at this in perspective. I have given in church offerings before, mm-hmm. and look, I just talked about how times that we've given in the past to where it was a big sacrifice and we're receiving the, 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 the fruitfulness and the miracles now for things that we sowed financially in the past. So don't get me wrong in saying that I believe in the idea of, you know, like sowing financial seed and reaping financial seed. I believe in all that too. Mm-hmm. But in this extent, I think that Jesus is talking about something so much more valuable than money. Money is set, is like secondhand dirt compared to forgiveness. Mm. Forgiveness is so much more valuable than any monetary amount. And if you look at this verse with the idea of forgiveness in mind, Jesus tells us that when we forgive, we're able to be forgiven by the Father. Our sins put Jesus on the cross. And our sins, the Bible says in Hebrews that sin, the that only blood can come uh, bring about the forgiveness of sins. That's why in the Old Testament, they made all the sacrifices of animals and whatnot. And that's why Jesus had to pay the price for the world's sins on the cross. It took blood. And to know that when Jesus, all Jesus asks us for, the only thing that we have to do as Christians is to forgive in order to receive that forgiveness back. We don't have to do any any of these crazy acts that other religions have to do. We just have to forgive and we receive forgiveness. It makes a lot more sense because I don't know about you, but I know that I was a major sinner before I met Christ. I did horrible things 
And I knew that I was forgiven of much when I met Jesus. And so this verse, when I think about what people have done to me versus what I did to put Jesus on the cross, it's completely insignificant in comparison. So to know that when someone hurts my feelings, does something wrong to me, even to great extremity, they, the, at the end of the day, I did not have to go through the brutal trials of Jesus Christ. And so if when I forgive them to know that my sins are forgiven through Christ, this imagery of forgiveness really does look like my for, Let's read the verse in the eyes of forgiveness. It says, forgive, and what I'm going to replace every word with give with forgiveness, okay? Forgive and you will receive your gift or your forgiveness will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured in your lap. The amount that you forgive will determine the amount that you get back. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound so much more edifying than just thinking about coins and dollars? Mm-hmm. I mean, forgiveness is so much more powerful than money. And it really leads us into this idea that of how valuable forgiveness is in our life. Why, why would Jesus describe forgiveness as being poured into your lap and running over? I mean, it's, it's really because the nature of forgiveness is to give grace, which always leads to peace with others or with God. Mm. And forgiveness always leading to peace. You can, just like I said, you can literally feel forgiveness. Bless Excuse you. Me. God bless you. Thank you. You can literally feel forgiveness leaving you when it's given. And you are truly paying for it when you give it. You pay for forgiveness by that willingness and that, that humility. But what you buy is peace. Have you noticed... <coughs> God bless you. I am so sorry. No. Excuse me. You don't have to apologize for something that's out of your control. Oh, thank you. And I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... This idea is that, if you think about it, the times that you've forgiven people, I mean, even when it's been like deep, dirty forgiveness, like, like, oof, you feel a peace that comes over you, like you released something. And it's that burden you carry on your heart when you hold on to that unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. And if you notice that unforgiveness always leads to a type of anger mm-hmm. or bitterness, But forgiveness always leads to either peace or tears Mm -hmm. because you're letting go of something. And it's only when we let go that we're able to receive that forgiveness back ourselves. And that peace, that grace is the same level of grace we extend to others, the same level of grace that we receive back. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to thank you guys for joining in real quick. Billy Joe, I see you. Hey, folks. Uh, mm-hmm. Julian in the other room, Emerald, good to see you, <laughs> Nathan Duke, uh, Jeremy, good to see all you guys. I'm so glad that you're a part. Matt, I saw you there. Eddie saw you. Eddie, what's <laughs> up? It's good to have all you guys on. Um, and so getting back to this, to this message, I want to read another scripture to you guys. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 24, it says, So if you're presenting a sacrifice in the Greek, it says gift. If you're presenting your gift, again, give, gift. If you're presenting a gift at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, 
Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. This verse is showing how much power is in forgiveness to where Jesus is saying, don't give that offering yet. Don't give, don't make any sacrifice at the altar. Don't enter into worship yet. Go and experience forgiveness with that person. That's deep. And why is God projecting this to us? Is it a burden? But is it really God being so involved with our hearts? He is so involved with our hearts that there's no way around it. When you have an issue, the Holy Spirit is in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. We cannot, there's no way that we can just hide these issues that we're dealing with in our hearts from God. Mm-hmm. He lives in our hearts. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And He won't allow, He doesn't want us to, to continue on with all these issues that we deal with. And what I believe is that it's because God cares about your heart and your peace. Mm-hmm. He knows that that unforgiveness is a road to uh, a road of poison to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that unforgiveness is truly like poison. And the more that we drink it, the more that we think we're hurting the other person by drinking it. Mm-hmm. It it only hurts us, and it is robbing us of that peace. You need some peace in your life. Do you really need more stress? Do you really need more headache, more heartache? You need some peace. And I I really believe that a lot of us, some of the anger that we deal with every day, some of the bitterness that are we're carrying each day, we've grown coarse. We've grown we've grown uh cold and a cold-hearted jaded even mm-hmm. because we're carrying that unforgiveness mm-hmm. and just de- making making it this issue and dealing with it with God going to God with it I think is a step that we all need to make with these issues in our heart because it's only then that we can experience some type of breakthrough to get that peace we really need in our lives right now um and I want to I want to just solidify what I'm saying with this last verse Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 through 15 Jesus says if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will forgive you but if you refuse to forgive others your father will not forgive your sins I mean this is a huge issue there there's a book um by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan and it talks all about how unforgiveness is is like that worm on a hook for for Christians to lose out on the greatness of God through unforgiveness and that the devil constantly uses unforgiveness to trap us into this lifestyle of being distant with God because we truly can't uh, we it, there's a, it's just a stumbling block it's a wedge that we can continue to get closer to God but there's a part of us that isn't there's a part of our hearts that is reserved whenever unforgiveness is there and we need to deal with it and we need to to get rid of it and we need to just bring it before God and just tell God I release this person. I don't want them to be punished for what they did to me. It hurts God, but I forgive them right now. And just deal with it like that. Again, you don't have to go into this whole back and forth like, "Well, did I really forgive them?" Just tell God that you don't want them to be punished for it anymore. That you want to release them. And I I guarantee you you're going to feel something deep inside. You're going to feel a move and you're going to feel a release. What do you have to say about everything I'm sharing in this first part, Lauren? Oh, it's very deep and powerful. Um, 
I mean, I feel like I have definitely, of course, found myself um, in different situations dealing with uh, forgiving others, especially those close to you. And uh, one thing, if I can scroll up here, um, in this verse that you shared in Matthew 5, 23-24, I like this part, or it's a very challenging part to me, where it says, um, if, uh, hold on, let me see. Um, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, like, even myself, we look at forgiveness as someone has hurt me, so I need to forgive them. Very right. true. But what about in this verse that even mentions if someone has beef with you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but how many times have we, be, have we been either wrongfully accused or disliked for something that we didn't even realize we were doing or yeah. um, something like that? And we know that someone for some reason has something against us, you know, and, and um, I have definitely dealt with that um, in recent times. And it's very tough because it's, you know, you feel like you're doing your best and you want, and it hurts you as a person and you have to work on forgiving those people who for some reason are not seeing your heart, are misunderstanding you, so on and so forth. And what I feel like I've learned through that time and with this verse, um, because I feel like this was what God brought to my attention during that time where I was really struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Um, with a certain person that I really cared about. And God really pretty much showed me, like, the, all you have to do is go and at least present the, the situation and say, hey, I understand this is what's going on. Yeah. I want to be in good terms with you. I want to restore this relationship and, and bring that opportunity. And that's what I did, and that's what God led me to do in that situation. And... Um, and that is doing your part. So whether that person decides like, yeah. yes, I want the same thing, then that relationship can be restored. But say they don't, in that time, we, you still did your part in doing what God leads us to do and, and walking through relationships that can be restored and forgiving, yeah. if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, my point with that is, you know, sometimes we're like, okay, I just have to forgive. You know, they hurt me. But sometimes people, you know, may not really be digging you for some reason. And it's even, you know, to go the more mature, deeper level, it's important for us to be willing to say, hey, like, I want this relationship to be healthy because even that is God's heart. And, you know, we have um, the opportunity to do the right thing. And I feel like um, moving forward from that, like, it it is really hard. And it's taken time for um, my heart in different situations, in that situation, to let go and forgive. Um, but I know one thing that I had to continue doing was simply, uh, pray for God to help me, you know, because it doesn't feel good and your heart feels ugly. And I felt that way where it's literally blocking you from, um, just putting that wedge even between you and God and, um, and praying and asking God to really soften your heart and help you forgive that person multiple times. I feel like it begins, God is doing that work in your heart to help you. Um, walk through that and see that person the way he does and just yeah. be able to be released from that. And so um, I hope that makes sense. But yeah, that's definitely. kind of just my um, experience so far on that specific topic. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Lauren. And it really segues us into this next part of us practically looking at the practical way to go about a lifestyle of forgiveness while still uh, in a way that still protects the forgiver. And and even like what you're saying about um, people that we offend, that people that have issues with us, I want to be clear too, and I know that Lauren feels this way too. I mean, 
in her story, it's talking about close people, even family members that you need to confront with these issues. But if it's for you and it's like an ex manipulative boyfriend, you don't need to go and confront Thank that. You. Like you don't need yes. to, <laughs> you don't need to restore a bad relationship. Thank you. you like don't go back to a psychopath. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the, you know, in these times of, uh, where she's talking about confronting the issue, those are people that you know are like family members or close mm-hmm. people that you know deep down that that relationship needs to continue and that needs to be better. And so don't be don't be going to your ex and don't. like, well, the pastor told me that I, I need to say sorry. Don't we didn't say that. Yeah, that's, please don't. That's whack. <laughs> but going into this practical lifestyle of forgiveness that still protects the forgiver. And just real quick, I want to say what's up to Crystal, George. It's good to see you tuning in. Mary Kate Lewis. Glad <laughs> to see the family on there. Um, I'm so glad that you guys could all jump on. And so sometimes the thing blocking our hearts from forgiving one another is misunderstanding and misinterpreting. We all speak different languages sometimes. And some of the biggest wedges of unforgiveness come from there not being an apology. Mm. Why'd you say something like that? I was just agreeing with you. (laughs) Um, And I think for, for even marriage, this really is speaking a lot. There is a lot of married couples that have a huge wedge of unforgiveness uh, in multiple spots because they feel like their spouse wasn't very apologetic mm. the way that they needed to be. And what I want to encourage everyone to take some time to just check out mm-hmm. is there's uh, if you go to if you just type in Google or Bing, if you use that um, <laughs> or ask Jeeves, is that still around? I don't even know. Um, type in five apology languages and some of you guys have already heard of like the five love language test. Well, the same, same guy, Dr. Gary Chapman, made uh, the, the same principle with apology language. There's five <laughs> love language tests and then there's a five apology language test. I think that the five apology language test is almost more powerful than the love language test. Mm. And I want to encourage you guys to really check it out because in the same way that we express and receive love in different languages some of us it's acts of service some of us it's words of affirmation some of us it's gifts Mm. some of us it's um quality time physical touch some of us it's physical touch Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well the apology language really helps us to understand how we receive apologies Mm-hmm. And I'm going to share five with you. It's one is expressing regret. And that's like a, a, an emotional regret, like expressing, expressing true emotion in your regret. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't say anything. Um, two is accepting responsibility for the, what was done. Three is making restitution. What can I do to make up for it? Four is genuinely repenting. I'm so sorry this happened. I'm never going to do it again. Um, And then five is requesting forgiveness. I'm so sorry. Can you forgive me? And I'll look, I even refreshed myself on this today because I knew we were going to talk about this. I was like, let me let me do a refresher course and check up on my apology language. 
And some of you guys might even judge me for my apology language, but that's the way that God created oh. me, right, Lauren? Right. And there's no judgment. My my top uh, my top apology language number with eight. The next one is five, but my top is expressing regret. And I, for me, and Lauren knows this, <laughs> when when I receive an apology, I like have to feel it for me to believe you. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, and for it's different for different levels. Like just a random, like I got a a one for requesting forgiveness, and uh, genuine and a one for genuinely repenting. And that's like if a waiter spills a drink on me and says sorry, it's cool. Don't worry about it. But the parts that I need, like, express regret, like, to where I want to feel the emotion mm-hmm. are the people closest to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love you. And it, for me, like, if I don't, if you just say, oh, well, I'm sorry, I'm just like, ah. <laughs> well, they're not really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> and uh, I, it's like I have to feel the empathy to mm-hmm. it. And, and my, my next ones, they tie that accepting responsibility and making restitution. How can I make this better? What can I do to make up for it? Or, uh, you know what? This was my fault. I'm sorry that this happened. Mm-hmm. And th- those are my apology languages. And I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. I think that the first couple years of our marriage, we did not understand each other's apologies at all. Mm-hmm. And it constantly made us feel like we were not really saying sorry to each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. And in the same time that Lauren felt like I never said sorry, I felt like Lauren never said sorry, even though... She did. She would say sorry, but for me, it's like, well, you didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and see, see how crazy it is sometimes to where you're both trying to apologize, but neither one of you can really see it or or accept it because mm-hmm. we're not really talking the same languages sometimes. That makes sense. And you know, I want us to. The reason I'm trying to go about this a practical way is because there's there's times where forgiveness is a lot closer at hand. If we just understand that we're misinterpreting each other, if we're misunderstanding each other, that we actually may not know what the person is trying to say, that we cannot read their minds, that we cannot read their hearts, and so we shouldn't just assume. And that there's forgiveness close at hand if we look at it that way and try to make this practical, logical steps about like even just this apology language. Um, And now, there are also other times when a relationship is simply abusive or manipulative, and that is when we have to take seriously the idea of implementing boundaries and understanding. Both of these are very important. Boundaries protect us emotionally and physically. Mm -hmm. Understanding is what will protect us mentally and spiritually. Now let's unpack this real quick. Starting with boundaries, when you get the a red flag, at this point you'd have multiple red flags that you're in a manipulative relationship, an abusive relationship. If there's any part of you that's like, oh man, is that me? That's a good indicator. Your gut is trying to tell you something because that's the Holy Spirit. And the, with these relationships, there's points to where you, we have to forgive. But it doesn't mean that we continue the same kind of interaction in the relationship that was done before the forgiveness was required. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Don't continue to put yourself in a vulnerable place around a person that constantly hurts you or uses you. Let me emphasize this word uses 
when a person uses you. In ethics, a person, a human being, should never be a means to an end. That, that simply means that a person should never be used to get something. And so, what are some things that we're used for? You might be, have been used to be a punching bag, someone to get out their aggression and all their anger of their day. They had a bad day, so they take it out on you. Maybe you've been a, a doormat. All of the dirt that they carry with them about their insecurities themselves, they wipe it off on you. They, they feel dirty about themselves, ugly about themselves, and they use you as the doormat so that they can enter in feeling better about themselves. Or, you, and also, you're not somebody's medicine. You're not somebody's prescription. You, you cannot be somebody's antidepressant. You cannot be somebody's bipolar medication. It, it, I, sometimes we convince ourselves, well, if, if, I, if I'm not around like I am, who else are they going to have? That's, you can't have that responsibility because mm-hmm. you're not their savior. Mm-hmm. It, we have such good intentions and such heart with people. We truly care about people. But you can't continue to jeopardize your emotions and your heart because one day you're going to snap. One day you're not going to be able to take it, and even uh, even the idea of just unforgiveness. One day you're you're gonna not be able to forgive that person, and the relationship is going to be more damaged to where it's going to feel uh, unfixable, unmendable, because you, there's just oh so much you can take. You might be able to put up with it for three years, but five years, ten years, it you just we're not created to be used. It's simply that. And you cannot be somebody's savior. Only Jesus can. And so get all of those thoughts that you have of why you should continue to just put up with it, that you just need to be strong. Those are really false narratives that you've been believing to justify you not having to confront a difficult situation. Am I right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is hurting you. It's destroying you on the inside. And just because you're strong enough today doesn't mean you're going to be strong enough in a year, two years, three years. And it's just unhealthy. You can't be somebody's doormat. You can't be someone's punching bag. You cannot be somebody's medication. You can't be their antidepressant. You can't be their their bipolar medicine. And you can't be anybody's savior. I know that this is a really, this goes so much beyond just this conversation and it's going to have to take some really deep thought and prayer for you to determine what you need to do. And we're here to help you if you need it. But I'm telling you, you, you just can't keep living like that. It's not going to work. For, it, it's just not. And that now go, that's for boundaries. You've got to put rightful boundaries on those kinds of relationships. And we've actually, if you look back through our videos, we have a whole... Uh, a whole series we did when we were having our Wednesday Bible studies, you should look back on it and we talked about how to deal with these relationships in more depth. But going on to understanding, this is to protect you mentally and spiritually. Now, uh, the, ba- the boundaries is to protect you emotionally and physically. Understanding is to protect you mentally and spiritually. You have to learn to accept this person or these people for all of who they are at this moment. Mm-hmm. What, what's really going on when we, when we believe this false narrative 
of who we think they are when the realness is that this is who they are, we're expecting them to be somebody they're not. Mm-hmm. And one, that's actually not fair. Mm-hmm. That savior mindset turns into a God mindset to where I can change them. Mm-hmm. Only God can change people. Only the Holy Spirit can change a person's heart. And when we do it, we only leave guilt, condemnation, shame, pain. It, it just doesn't work. And what we really have to come to terms with is that this, all, all of this is who they are right now. It may not be who they were in the past. The, the relationship might have been really great in the past. And that loyalty to that past person is what's keeping you there. But this is who they are right now. Mm-hmm. And you have to accept that. And you don't have to be bound by a type of idea of loyalty to continue in pain when it's just this is who they are right now. And you also have to accept the fact that this may be who they always are. You cannot wait for them to change. You can't expect them to change. When I say accept them for who they are, I mean accept the wholeness of who they are and just know that's how they are. My dad taught me this incredible lesson, and it's a simple saying that Joe's going to be Joe. No offense to anybody named Joe out there, but it's just the idea that Joe's going to be Joe. Who, that's, oh, that's just how Joe is. They've always been like that. That's just how they are. And have you noticed that that's like a, like a small country town that idea, was. I know. It's like, oh, that's all Joe. He always yells at the kids on his lawn. That's just who he is. And have you noticed, look at like this funny story. Old man, old man Joe, always yelling at the kids on his lawn, get off my lawn, is mean to them. Imagine the kid that shows up one day, he's never met Joe before, and that, the old man, man Joe yells at him, tells him to get off, and he leaves with his feelings hurt. And then someone says, that's just how Joe is, he's always been like that, don't take it personal. And all of a sudden, because they understand that that's who that person is, they're like, oh, well, well, okay. And it's like you can see in the story where they don't really take it personal anymore because that's just how old mean man Joe is. Mm. In the same way, I know that's like a weird country way to look at it, but honestly, that's the way it is in life that we just don't want to believe it sometimes. And we want to be God. We want to control people. We want to change people. We want them to fit the mold of what we want them to be. But that's just how they are. Mm-hmm. And if we can accept that this is who they are, stop accept, expecting them to be somebody else, we're going to stop being upset, disappointed, and giving all these opportunities for unforgiveness in our lives. And it's just such a, it's really such a healthier way to live because you can't change them and it's not your job to change them. It, it is not. And we got to let go. How do you feel about what I'm saying right now, Lauren? Um, it's a lot of good stuff all in one. And two things that um, I was thinking about as you were sharing this is, one, going a little bit back to the idea that you're sharing of having boundaries um, to protect yourself and, and so forth. It made me think of um, how sometimes we allow our loneliness mm. to take us to a place of uh, a cycle of toxic relationships. Wow. And I feel like so many times we do not want to 
create those boundaries. We do not want to uh, notice the red flags of manipulative, manipulative and abusive relationships because if we do that, then we think we will be lonely. Then we think that that relationship I'm currently in, um, if I create boundaries, they're going to leave. If I create boundaries, we're not going to have that intimacy that we once had. If yeah. I create boundaries uh, for the toxic way that they are treating me, I'd rather have them and their toxicness than be lonely. Mm. And I, I know that listening to that, it makes it sound like, oh, why would anyone want a toxic relationship? But I know, you know, even in my past, because of loneliness and, and different people that I've talked to, um, you know, they, it, it's a, something that is actually really common that we do yeah. because we're so afraid to be lonely and we're so lonely that we rather stay in a toxic relationship, whether if it's with a, you know, a, a partner, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, or even family members, you yeah. know, but the truth is, is we think boundaries are going to cut those relationships off. But honestly, if you truly care about say a family member or something, yeah. Creating boundaries is going to preserve that relationship. It's going to keep that relationship, in a sense, you know, God willing, like more protected than if you continued being the punching bag. If you continued allowing them to treat you like crap just because they're miserable. When you do that, that's actually tearing that relationship more and more apart. But when you decide to be the one who creates boundaries, you're putting some kind of protect, like protection over that relationship. Does that make sense? And so, you know, with that being said, my main thought of that is do not allow your loneliness to keep you stuck in cycles of toxic relationships. Know that you're worth better. Mm. Know that um, you are strong and that you can create boundaries to protect your heart because the Bible even says, you know, what's in your heart directs the your life. It directs your future. It directs your path. Yeah. So what are you allowing in your heart, you yeah. know? And, and um, the other thought with what you were just saying right now about understanding and expectations, you know, yeah. um, one time I was, um, you know, being um, minister to, um, you could say, and they were explaining to me that I had to release my expectations for so-and-so, whoever we're talking about at the time, right? And so many times, just like you said, Joe's going to be Joe. Like if you continue to go to, you know, that person that you so dearly long to have a good relationship with, like you, you want their approval, you want their love, you want whatever it is from that specific relationship, but at the end of the day, they, they are who they are. You cannot change them. So if you continue to expect when I go to them today, they're going to be proud of me. They're going to be kind to me. They're going to be loving. I'm going to expect this because I hope they change. And every single time you go, it's like ripping that Band-Aid off and pouring vinegar in that wound over and over yeah. because you're going with a false expectation. Yeah. And most times they don't even know that you're expecting them to be nice to them that day, if I'm, yeah. you know, uh, for a silly example. And so I thought when I first heard that, what do you mean release my expectations for so-and-so? That doesn't make sense. Like they should know that they should be this way. But at the end of the day, no, yeah. you know, they just like you said, it's not fair. If you just accept them who they are yeah. and you're I feel like once I began to do that and I've had to do that, like start over again in different times in my life, like yeah. remind myself. But when I begin to release my expectations for those who I may be hurt of or they're, they're not acting the way I think they should as that person in my life, then I begin to be able to love them better yeah. than holding all this resentment and anger towards them every time I may, you know, have interaction with them. But yeah. when you release that, you're able to little by little let God like 
at least for me, you know, love them for who they are. Because I'm like, well, I don't expect anything from you. Yeah. I'm not expecting you to do anything for me. But now yeah. in this relationship, I can just love you for who you are as yeah. the person that you are. And so, um, you know, with that thought is simply releasing expectation yeah. of whoever it is that maybe you've been offended or hurt by and, um, you know, create those boundaries. Yes. All those kinds of things, but simply release those expectations. Cause I feel like it does give you that sense of peace we're looking for yeah. and that freedom personally. Yeah. And so those are my thoughts. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that Lauren. And it's, it's so powerful to hear, you know, this, this really heart behind what Lauren's describing. It truly makes the relationship thrive even though at first glance at first hearing it's like well then the relate the little relationship that i have is going to be ruined mm-hmm. no it it is so much better because you actually learn how to be happy with the relationship rather than expecting this false narrative mm-hmm. and you actually get to salvage something instead of trying to you know, make orange juice out of an apple. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, or an avocado, even worse, because yeah, you can't weird. juice avocados. Yeah. Um, and so l- finishing up on this message about um, practical application of forgiveness while still protecting the forgiver, we doing our best to mend what is broken goes hand in hand with not breaking it in the first place. Mm. So we've talked about how forgiveness is giving of ourselves. And it's only when we give that we can receive this peace. And we talked about practical application of even how sometimes forgiveness is as, as simple as misinterpreting and misunderstanding each other. And we talked about the five apology uh, language. And we talked about times where um, uh, there has to be forgiveness but boundaries and understanding and now we're talking about the idea of trying to um, almost what Lauren was sharing earlier about not uh, about not putting ourselves in, in predicaments to where we're offending others mm-hmm. consistently mm-hmm. now let me share a couple of verses um, in Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 Jesus says do to others whatever you'd like them to do to you this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. <laughs> Sorry. It just makes me laugh because when you think about how in-depth the, the prophetic books are, all of the laws, there's hundreds of laws. <laughs> and Jesus says all of it can be summed up into what we teach our kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do to others what you'd want them to do to you. That's good, though. That is the simplest thing mm-hmm. ever in the world. Yeah. I mean, I don't even need to read the Bible to tell that to my kids. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says that all of the teachings of the prophets, <laughs> that is hysterical. All of it is summed up into treating people the way you want to be treated. It's good. Is that not the most bizarre, simplest idea ever presented? <laughs> And I feel like so many church services are literally complex teachings of things that we tell our kids to do. Mm. And what Jesus is, is getting at, he, he's re- to unpack this, there's so much scripture that says li- that we as Christians should live above reproach. Mm. What that means is to live in a way to where when people, if people were to accuse us, that others wouldn't even believe it because we live in a way that isn't accusable. Living above reproach 
privately and publicly, it, it is living in a way to where you don't even want it to look like you're doing something bad. Now, the, what I, for me, this is a simple way that I look at it. If I'm eating out at a restaurant, and this is how far I'll take living above reproach. If I'm eating out at a restaurant, and the waiter uh, starts walking away and everyone starts laughing, I often will tell the waiter or the waitress, we're not laughing at you, someone had just told a joke. And it seems like, well, that's not necessary. You don't have to go out of your way to do that. I truly don't want that person to think that we were laughing at them. It is just a weird coincidence. But that's what I, th- those are simple things that I take of living above reproach. Mm-hmm. And to where I don't even want a chance for people to be offended. Now, with that being said, even though I'll go out of my way to make a waiter or waitress not feel bad like that, haters gonna hate. (laughs) People People are just destined to be critical and find a reason to be offended. Mm -hmm. And this generation, the day, I'll say the day and age, not even this generation, it's Mm -hmm. not just one generation, it's all the generations in this day and age, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is just looking and looking a reason to be offended. I mean, Y'all, I'll be, I, to the person that this is in reference to, I love you, I love you, and this is just as an illustration, an example. There is a point <laughs> okay. where I didn't, we, we have a dog named Sam, mm-hmm. and he's not neutered. We, he doesn't sleep around or anything, he just stays home, <laughs> but it's just not something we did, and there is a there is someone that came over one day and they're like, you don't have him neutered, <laughs> and there is a level of offense in the fact that we didn't neuter our dog. And look, I, and I'm not trying to step on any toes or anything. Like I get it, all right. Mm. Like we'll think about it, but we're really not. <laughs> we're really not going to do that. And the truth is, we we have grown into a generation to where we expect. It's going back to that idea of expectation. We expect everybody to fit into our way of thinking mm-hmm. and we expect everybody to fit into our world view. I see the world this way so you need to conform to that and that's just not the reality and that is why so many people are offended to where it's just crazy. I mean even just social media I I don't even I, I don't even really respond on social media anymore because it's there's not a point like the, so many people are offended and there's been times where people have commented on our stuff, and I told Lauren, don't even delete the comments. It's not worth it. It's, <laughs> it's just haters going to hate. <laughs> I mean, and the truth is, especially when we're not doing anything wrong, you yeah. don't have to live this sorrowful life like, oh, why is everyone mad at me? Look, if anyone's a talk, it's me. People hate me all the time. I can, I, I can be a little rough around the edges. I can be offensive unintentionally just the way that I talk. I mean, I'm loud. I, I'm very, uh, I'm very passionate. The way Lauren says, mm-hmm, uh, I'm passionate when I talk, and sometimes it's taken in the aspect where people get offended. And there's times where I do confront and say, "I didn't mean for you to take it like that." And there's other times where it's just like, "All right, this is getting ridiculous." <laughs> yeah. And what? But what I'm getting at is that there should still be a level of responsibility that we take 
to where we still do our best and forget the rest. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry or nitpick yourself about every little thing you do wrong. I could, I'm the worst at that. I could be so critical to where I just make one comment and then after the night I'd go to Lauren and say, do you think when I said this it sounded like this? And like, I don't know. <laughs> They're like, oh man, now I feel so bad. She's like, you need to chill out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I wanna be just clear that we shouldn't live in a type of fear like that. Mm -hmm but that we do need to live in a, a way that's above reproach. With that being said, God has not, he's called us uh, to his namesakes to bring him glory. And he says that we'll be persecuted for his namesake. He didn't say that we'll be pers persecuted when we're obnoxious. Mm -hmm. He didn't tell us to be obnoxious for his namesake. And there's oftentimes in the Christian faith to where we think that we have the right or even the mission to be obnoxious about our faith. The Bible actually says to be gentle and humble mm -hmm. when leading other people to the gospel. And, and that we are not to, to be obnoxious, that we are not to, uh, to, be, uh, to share it angrily, but that it says that we're supposed to do it with gentleness, with humility. And so I'm, I'm sharing this as just another point of saying that we need to live above reproach in a way that we try not to offend people. Um, we're going to reset on Instagram real quick. Oh, Lauren's got it. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> Be sure to save it, though. Oh, okay. Oh, it, that's it had weird. A, bad, a bad connection. You have to... That's weird. Yeah. Just She's going to do it real quick. Just one second. I don't want Instagram to miss out. This is gold. Just try it. You got it, Stella. <laughs> there you go. So look, just do this. It's okay, guys. We'll be one second. Just bear with us. Technical difficulties. Hey, Eric, by the way, Lucia, good to see you. All right, and we're about to be back. And we're back. Hey, Instagram, <laughs> this is part two for you guys. Um, sorry about that technical difficulty. All right, so finishing up, we just got done saying of not being obnoxious with our faith, that we should not be obnoxious people, that we should live above reproach. And now I want to just close out on some, some intentional issues that most of us deal with. All right. I just talked, what I just talked about is really dealing with others in the world. I want us to get down home with family issues. I want us to just touch on family issues for a second. And let me read this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Now, before we go on, I know every parent is like, hey man, let me get my kid real mm -hmm, quick. Mm -hmm. And... and <laughs> This verse, for, for any kids out there, which we all are, all of us have parents in some way, right? Mm -hmm. um, what God is really showing us in Scripture is that there is a level of honor that we should bring to our parents. Now, don't confuse honor with, like, <laughs> slavery. Uh, you, we should honor our parents. It doesn't mean that we have to be belittled by our parents. It doesn't mean that we have to be treated badly by, by our parents. But 
that we should live in a way to where even when we want to say all the ugliest things about our parents, that we don't jump to say it, Mm -hmm. that we still bite our tongue because that is our mom, that is our dad. It's like for me, even when I had issues in the past with my parents, when if someone said your mama to me, I'll fight them. <laughs> That's my mama. You don't don't you ever talk about my mama again. And it's like you don't you, you have issues with her right now. It's like I don't care. That's my mother. <laughs> I'll kill you right now. Well, I may or may not have said that, but y'all get what I'm saying. That even in times of like distance, that we should try to reserve. Uh, reserve our tongue because the truth is everybody has issues with their parents at some point in life and in that we as children if you have to look at it as like you being the bigger person then be the bigger person but it's because this this is a commandment that where God says I'm gonna bless you for it I think that it speaks volumes that it's the first commandment with a promise. You're like, look, if you put up with your parents a little bit longer, <laughs> I'm going to bless you with a long life because I know it's hard, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but now, look, let's, let's finish the verse. This, a lot of people don't finish quoting this verse. Y'all mm-hmm. notice how earlier we read the first verse and it changed the whole narrative. Let's read the next verse instead of just stopping here. It says, continuing on, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Mm-hmm. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Mm-hmm. The discipline and instruction that comes up from the Lord, well, that's patience. That's enduring love. That's compassion. That's forgiveness. That is uh, uh, being a, a man of righteousness. And I, I think that we could look at this as that it's saying parents do not provoke your children to anger. And often it's, our, it's people's fathers that are in that role. A lot of us have father issues, father wounds. But the truth is that this is, this is a spot for both parents. So let's talk. Look, we're parents now too, all right? There's times where I do, I do something with my kid. I was like, man, did I just jack up their life? Like, I, it's a lot of responsibility. And our kids owe us, all right? Let's not get that wrong. Anyone that doesn't have kids yet, you owe your parents to some degree. Some of us, we don't owe our parents anything, all right? But... A lot of us, there's a level of, of, I mean, I don't even know the last time that I got like a full night's rest to where I was like, oh man, I feel good. Like, it's, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's like, really? Because I sleep less than you. Uh, no. But what I'm getting at is that parents, look, parent to parent, that the way our children receive love is through understanding. What is a teenager's number one complaint to their parent? They don't understand me. And why don't we understand them? We were teenagers too, right? But that's when we were stupid. (laughs) That's when we were dumb. And we know that the problems that we had when we were teenagers aren't really that big of problems now. When my daughter, who is about to be two years old, cries for no reason at all. I'm like, girl, get up. nothing's wrong at all I, or I take away the her juice because she's chugging juice for some reason and she literally throws herself on the ground and has a tantrum because I took away juice or maybe because she thought I took something away when I didn't and it's actually still on the table and she throws herself on the ground and throws a tantrum anyway and there's a part of a parent that gets into 
one one translation says wrath. <laughs> You're like, get up off the ground right now. Nothing is wrong with you, right? Anyone have a moment like that? Yeah, here and there. <laughs> no one, just me. <laughs> and there's a why do we have that wrath? Because we know as the adult, as the the person that has more experience, that that's really not a big deal. That friends you have in school are not a big deal. You know that once, you, once you're older that none of those friends even talk to you anymore. But when you're a teenager, when you're going through it as a kid, it's everything. That's all you have. Kids receive love through understanding. And some of the best relationships between parents and kids are the ones where the, it's not the ones where the parent is the best friend. No, it's the parent that is still guiding, still implementing discipline and punishments, but is still understanding through all the stuff their kid is going through. Even though they know that's not really a big deal in the long run, they're willing to make it a big deal right now. That's understanding. How do you feel about that, Lauren, before we move on? Yeah, I think um, you're right. <laughs> and I think... Um... All right, let's stop there. <laughs> Y'all got that, right? No, I mean, I think... Um... Everybody, like, wants to be understood and how much more, like, little kids that are still, for an example, young kids, our kids, whether they're little, whether they're old, but it's, it's no, everyone hates the feeling of being misunderstood. So whether they were intentionally misbehaving or not intentionally misbehaving as parents, like, just like you said, we are the ones that are in control in a sense, you know, and there's been many times where it's so frustrating where I'm just like, Ah, not literally, but almost, you know, and then there's those moments where you feel like that, like, like touch of the Holy Spirit or the nudge, like, actually, they just need to be understood right now. You need to get yeah. on their level. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> get on their level, give them a hug and just let them feel yeah. understood because they want their juice, <laughs> you know, or they want their video games back and they won't do what you told them not to do 17 times. You know, they're really not going to do it again. He's looking at Julian's yeah. name on Shout there. out, you know, <laughs> the, the 18th time, I think they won't do it again. Just kidding. But my point is, is under understanding them and 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 it also like helps that relationship continue to yeah. flourish because I feel like you know we've experienced it whether in our life or even with our children now that when we begin to get so overly frustrated and begin yeah. to throw understanding out the window because we don't care you know like yeah. that attitude like I don't care they You're need to, my house my yeah. rules and you start to have that attitude their hearts um, and minds and everything towards you begins to harden and yeah. that's when you begin to feel the wedge between you and that child grow bigger, bigger, and bigger, you yeah. know? And so when we begin to take that back in and um, have that understanding and that heart-to-heart, no matter the age, like, it, yeah. it really um, uh, really nourishes that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, so. thanks for sharing that, Lauren. That was really powerful. Uh, hey, Erica, glad you could tune in. Uh, Catalina, glad you could join. Um, I want to just say what's up to all you guys. <laughs> um, you know, finishing up, the, the, we talked about others we now we're getting into family issues and finishing up we talked about how children receive love through understanding let's look about a little bit in a relationship um with even a marriage in ephesians chapter 5 21 through 22 and then jumping down uh to verse 25 it says and further submit to one another out of reverence for christ um out of reverence for christ for wives, this means submit respect, uh, re- submit to your husbands. Another way you could, uh, another translation says, 
means to respect your husbands as the Lord, uh, as the as to the Lord. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. And so I, there's three three parts of this verse that I want us to really just look at for a second. First of all, is that it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When it talks about living this lifestyle to where we are in a, a, a servanthood to one another, that it's not about me, it's about them. It's out of a reverence for God. That's not just God making you do something you want to do, but that it brings glory to Him. And if you think about the most like super duper Christians that you know that you actually like, they're the people that are just these servant-hearted people that are humble and they have this just heart about them that it's not about me, it's about what I, uh, about submitting to one another. It's about what I can do for you and it glorifies Christ. Now, if we were to take that in our homes, so many families would experience a breakthrough and now going into the, to the wives and the husbands, when it says wives, uh, for for wives, this means, he's trying to unpack what it means to submit to one another. He says, this means to respect uh, respect your husbands or submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And what, I, what this verse is saying is that men receive love through the, this idea of respect. And I mean, look at, ladies, the times that your, your man gets so upset are the times that he's gotten, he felt disrespected, right? It's not in the moments that you, for, if you ever, like you ever forgot the anniversary, right? But it's not in the moments that you didn't get flowers. It's out of the moment where he, he felt like you said something that was disrespectful. And, and all of a sudden he went off. And it's not that it, he, his, his uh, emotions come out as anger sometimes or hurt. But it's the moments that he felt like he was disrespected. And doesn't give any, you know, I'm not talking about like crazy, like punch the wall kind of stuff. I'm talking about, you know, these, these kinds of fights we get into. And now women, they often receive love through compassion. When I do not treat Lauren with compassion, with, with that kind of love, it, it makes her feel this lack of intimacy, this lack of love. When she doesn't, which is never, when she doesn't... Uh, uh, when I feel like I don't have respect for something or uh, feel disrespected, I feel unloved. I feel like, well, I do all, you know, I did this and this. What? Why don't you respond this way? It's this, and there's a great book about it um, called the Love and the Respect, uh, the Love and Respect Circle, or something like that. Love and Respect, love and respect I think. Yeah. Just Love and Respect. Mm -hmm. It's a great book on marriage, talking about how men receive love through respect, women receive love through this idea of compassion, um, and. Now, that's not to say that men should respect uh, women, and it's not to say that men don't want to receive love through compassion. I'm talking about like major components, okay? I'm not, uh, let's not over, like, go too far to one edge to where we just become these lunatics. Um, let's just look at it with, you know, take this with as components. And as a bonus round for the men, um, I want to share this verse. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Now, this part... 
the part that maybe some of y'all stopped even listening after I said she may be weaker than you are. <laughs> but what I take it as is that uh, this verse where it says, you, oh, uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> let me back up and say, you know, let's just close out here. Like, we're all equal. That's okay, man. That's good. But when it says she may be weaker than you are, it, there, I don't want to get into the Greek and Hebrew meaning behind it, but could it not be as simple as our, our scientific anatomy of body mechanics being uh, uh, stronger and weaker? Does it mean soul? Does it mean spirit? Does it mean willpower? No, of course not. There are so many examples in the Bible of strong, will-powered, world-changing women in the Bible. And so when I read this verse, I see just the anatomy structure weaker. But notice that it says, let me read parts of these again. You must give honor to your wives. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of emphasis on men giving honor to their wives here in this verse. And it says, treat your wife with understanding. Just because you think it's not a big deal doesn't mean it's not a big deal. Treat her with understanding as you live together. I mean, guys, there's so many compl- so many fights happen because um, let's look at an example of a stay-at-home mom. Come home. I'm at work all day and you want me to do this and that. Uh, all you had to do is be here with the kids. Okay, look, that's a perfect example of not living with understanding. All right? It, we live together. And continuing on, she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. In this Christian walk, she's your equal partner. Not more, not less. She's your equal partner. We can throw out all chauvinistic ideas, can't we? This is an equal partnership that the Bible is laying out. And it says, treat her as you should. Man, God cares about his daughters. He is a good father. He, if, I'll tell you what. If, someone's, if someone married my daughters and they weren't treating her right, there's a lot more that I would do. <laughs> you better believe I'd show up with a tank top and a shotgun ready to, to clean house. Mm. But what does God do? It says, so your prayers will not be hindered. Man, God cares about his daughters a lot. It says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. It is showing us that even a righteous man that does not treat his wife right, God is going to hinder those prayers. That God is going to choose not to answer some of those prayers because you are not treating the wife that he gave you the way that you should. That is a good heavenly father. And I think it speaks so much volume to a marriage, to the, the rising that us as men need to get up to and start treating our wives like they deserve. And start giving some, uh, and really stop being just these lazy, pathetic men that think that we're just entitled to a sense of manhood and responsibility, even though when we don't rise up to it. We need to really do our part and act like men. And I want to close that. And, all right, that was a bonus for the men, okay? Y'all, um, <laughs> let's rise up. Ooh. Uh, let, me, let me close everything off with this. This verse, I feel like, is just such amazing guidance for us in this this idea of how we should live as Christians. It's the next verse is down in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 through 9. It says finally, just like how this is the last verse. Finally, after this long message that went over an hour today. 
All of you should be of one mind. What does that mean? Unity. Sympathize with each other. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. I feel like this verse just really sums up this whole talk about forgiveness, how to live a practical way, how we can act towards others, how we ought to behave. It's just such a powerful verse. And I want to close on that. And and I want you to look through this verse, look through what we talked about today. And I want you to search your heart for the people that you need to forgive. There's some people that you need to forgive and just let go. Just let it go. You don't need to talk to them. You don't need to tell them that you forgave them. There's some people you just need to let go. There's other people where you need to forgive them and you need to confront them. You need to have a phone call. You need to meet up with them and just hash it out and with the heart of I am walking in forgiveness. And there's other people where when you forgive, you need it. what it really takes is you going through the right steps of boundaries and understanding, stop trying to change them. Just You're going to have to just put those boundaries. Stop trying to control them. And you start walking in a real relationship with that person. And, and then finally, we talked about lest we offend others. We talked about living above reproach. We talked about um, relation, how we ought to behave with our relationships with our parents, with our kids, with our marriages, with, our, with other people, and how we should um, be as Christians. And at any point in this message, you feel like you really just need to, to make your step forward with God and you need to get right with Him. Maybe that's the area of forgiveness you need to first experience. I want you to just have your own conversation with Him tonight. Tonight, whether it's right after this call or right now, don't wait for more time to go by, but experience a relationship with Him by just having a conversation with Him having an authentic, real conversation. You don't even need me to lead you through it. Just walk out a conversation the best that you can and just share your heart with God. Share where you want your relationship to be with Him. and Just speak it to Him and have a conversation with Him. The Bible says in Romans that when you do that, you all, you can, what you're really doing is you're confessing Jesus as Lord. You're, you're, you're saying that he rose from the dead. You're believing in your heart this real exchange that happened on the cross. That's how you start the relationship with him and start walking out this lifestyle of forgiveness, this lifestyle of a changed heart, changed life. And if you do need some extra help walking through that, just message us and we'd love to be partners with you in doing it. And after that, you just need to get plugged in into a community. You shouldn't walk through this alone. And so we'd love to be with you in that community. Or even if you need, uh, you need help finding one, we, we would love to, to be a part and, get, and connect with you. Um, and so with all that being said, we love y'all so much. We care about y'all. And I just want to uh, ask Lauren, do you have any closing thoughts, um, comments about everything that we talked about today? I know that I, I went and talked about everything before closing out. Um, but do you have any anything to share? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different things that you shared that I think were really powerful. And, um, I mean, there's a couple of things, but one, the one thing that I will say, um, as you were talking about, 
um, just, you know, are the, the prophets and they, they all sum it up together. Um, they all pretty much say when you follow all the laws, all of the essence of it is loving your people, loving yeah. each other. And I, I totally butchered it right now, but you get what I'm saying. But what I love about that is like, there's even a scripture in the Bible somewhere that says like the only debt we have um, with one another is to love each other. And so the only thing as people that we owe each other is to love each other. There's nothing else that we owe other people yeah. but to treat them the way we would want to be treated, yeah. to to love them the way we would want to be loved. And and so, I, I, you know, that was really like ministering to my heart, but also knowing at the end of the day, just like you said, the truth is, is there's going to be haters and haters yeah. are going to hate. There's going to be people that don't like you for no reason. Yeah. As long as you are loving people like you want to be loved and treating them, you know, the way that God um, puts on your heart to in love, you know, then you are doing your part. And the Bible even says like, he has your back, like he will defend yeah. you. Don't try to like, don't try to uh, fix the wrong or don't try to go and get even with other people. It literally says that wait for God to handle it. And so yeah. remember, do your part in loving, you know, each other, forgiving each other. But when there's haters that are just hating for no reason, don't try to fight that battle on your own. Just yeah. let God get your back because I've seen him do it time and time again in my life in different ways in our life. And yeah. he's so much better at it than we are. Yeah. And, and so you just need to just keep your composure and allow God to defend you in those yeah. times and just keep on loving. And so that really stuck out to me in the closing statements. And so I just wanted to share that. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Lauren. And, and, uh, I think that's, that changed my life. That saying right there is haters going to hate. Yeah. Cause one day it just finally clicked. And, uh, it's again, emphasizing that haters going to hate when you're obnoxious <laughs> and that's when we need to check ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's other times where, haters just hating and yeah. and uh you you gotta just move on forgive them whatever um, shake it off yeah. and so with all that being said um we love y'all so much i hope that y'all enjoyed today's message hey michaela glad you could be a part um uh your facebook kept closing uh mary kate what the freak <laughs> no, it's okay we're on instagram too um julian thanks for the goo goo eyes mary lou glad you were we're here. Um, we love all you guys so much, and we hope that y'all have a great rest of your uh, your weekend. Have a good Sunday, and as um, and let's really try to look at uh, what we talked about today, and let's take today to apply it tonight. Let's not let this weekend pass by without really trying to take this seriously. Um, we uh, uh, we we love you. Uh, have a great night. Adios. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.